Are you a bride chilla or groom chilla? Spend 30 minutes with Bride Chilla podcast host Alicia and you will be. So let's get planning. Welcome, welcome, my lovely pretties. Uh, today I'm excited because I have one of my own. What is that? <laughs> you say? <laughs> That sounded, I mean, that sounded bad. Like, you know. But that sounded good. I, I mean, one of my own is in one of my own country women. She, uh, like me, does not live in our country, but she still has the accent. I'm very excited to be welcoming author and general all-round good gal, the lovely, the lovely Natalie. She wrote The Wedding Virus. Natalie, tell me about The Wedding Virus. Tell me everything. Well, I can tell you that <laughs> I'm Australian and I live in Tel Aviv and I have a super bad elevator pitch. But I did write The Wedding Virus um, and it only took me seven years from start to finish, including my regular day job. I work as a consultant and coach and I'm also a speaker. And these days I'm also luckily the host of something called Creative Mornings in Tel Aviv. Yeah, I'm married and I have a kid and one on the way. I feel like that sound, yeah, that makes me sound so uh, typical. I'm, I'm one of those multi-passionate people who doesn't know how to squish themselves into a box, but I did write a book and that's what we're here to talk about. And thank you so much, Alicia, for having me so oh that God. I can talk about it because you're awesome and your podcast is awesome. So I'm just excited that I can even vaguely be a bride chiller somehow. Oh, hush it. You are a hundred percent bride chiller. And as soon as I, I mean, as soon as you sent this to me and went, I've written a book called the wedding virus. I was like, whoa, 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 this is amazing. I don't even care what the content, I mean, I do care because the content's amazing, but it's like, well, this is a great title. I'm already sucked in. Well, it's a great title, but not when you send uh, emails to journalists and they never get them. That was what I learned uh, when I was releasing the book that it was, uh, not the best title for your subject line. Oh my god! Because all this, the the virus checkers are going. Oh my yeah. gosh! Whoops! And I only we only realized like me and a friend only realized like sort of like a week into sending out all these emails, and I was already releasing it. And, <laughs> okay, <laughs> let it go. Here's what not to do when you self-publish a book. That's my first. Uh, oh. Don't don't use virus in the title and other things I learned. I love the idea uh, we were talking off air about self-publishing and what a brave new world it is, but also I think an, an amazing place, a space for writers. But mm-hmm. I want to, well, we'll get to that. I will get to that as a true journalist professional I am. I mean, I've been reading your book on the tube and I, I think listeners would know that I loathe the tube. I loathe <laughs> everything about catching that train every day, but I love looking forward to opening my Kindle and going into my little zone and checking out of the misery that often (laughs) surrounds me. But your book made me giggle so much, I made other people feel uncomfortable. (laughs) I want that in in a quote that I can post on the internet. Well, yay, I'm happy. That's partly by design. And actually, I don't know if you know that, but it's also just like, it started out as emails to my girlfriends to make us laugh and it's really designed to be read. You know, you can read it in one go, but it's designed to be read, you know, wherever you are when you're waiting. Yeah, that's what actually I loved about it because it's short, you know, I'm, I'm 20 minutes on this, this nightmare train and then I get <laughs> off and go away. Uh, but the good thing is they're sort of quite nice short chapters and little thought bubbles that seem to sort of pop up and they really made me think a lot about a lot of different topics, but also think about my lovely friends and all the wine chats we have. Yes. Wine and food chat. I mean, obviously people are, are sort of going, the wedding virus, is she anti-wedding? And this is certainly not no, what it's about. I'm not anti-wedding. 
Um, but I did, when I started writing it, it was sort of like a joke. Not the, the wedding virus was my joke. It wasn't the title of the book. I just started writing stories that were happening to me in my girlfriend fiction form. I mean, I was like, you know, mashing up all our stories together um, just to make us laugh because you can't, I mean, like stuff that happens in real life to people, like you can't write, you can't make that shit up. So the wedding virus started the, the concept, not the stories, as a joke. Um, which was just a reflection on how I used to be like, oh, look how weddings spread through groups of friends and next comes baby virus, baby epidemic, the book I'm trying to finish next. So it started as a joke. But what happened over time of writing these stories is I then also caught it, which is quite <laughs> which is quite surprising for someone who wasn't like, who sort of was not making fun of people but couldn't necessarily identify because I did, I wasn't like a, you know, a 10-year-old girl who knew what my dress was going to look like. And I have plenty of friends like that and that's not a judgment. I just didn't understand it. Yeah. So it was a rude shock for me. But I think it enriched the book, or I hope it enriched the book, because I got to add some of my own, you know, when you add your own feelings to things. So it was born in this thing that I would send to my girlfriends whenever I would sit down and kind of, you know, just feel like writing. And then I kept saying it was going to be a book and it really took me. It was sort of five years of writing. I really wanted to finish it. And then I had a kid. <laughs> and that's not a good time to finish a book. And then just one day I woke up, I'm like, that's it. This book needs to be done. And I called a friend. And and, th- and this is something that I that I really will say. Without my friend Karen, um, this book would not have happened. And I think, you know, you can write a book on your own. And without my girlfriends and their stories and reading my emails, you can write a book on your own. But it really is like a collaboration. To get it out there, it's a collaboration with all the people. I, the book just made me feel, and I think for bride chillers going through this stage, who are deep in, in sort of the fever of wedding virus. I talk about it all the time. I feel like sometimes you just got to like let it wash over you when you're stressed or you're feeling a bit panicked or you're overwhelmed and just take a moment to go, well, this is bullshit. Or what am I being stressed about? Ridiculous things. Well, this is so sad. I have, I have a chapter for you. <laughs> you have many chapters for me. It's very funny. It's like this branding your wedding. You are not a brand. There are so many little moments in your book where I'm laughing and then I go, oh my God, she's so right. She's so right. I think one of the reasons I wrote it in addition to myself, and that's what I'm saying, I wrote it like as a respect. I didn't, I love stories and I love reading chiclet, like the true chiclet genre where like, you know, and watching those movies and I'll cry with the best of us. Um, but they don't really reflect the stories that actually happen to most of the people that I know. I agree. And and, and nor do they, sadly, um, you know, live up to this sort of utopian fantasy of how someone's going to propose. And I don't mean the sky riding, which incidentally I just saw in New York. That was very funny. We were sitting at a cafe and it was literally marry me being sky ridden. No way. But <laughs> totally true story. But it, it doesn't live up to that. That's like just not most people's stories. Um and, and as a person, as a human, and as a person with interest in human stories and, and also stories of transformation, I just, I think I really want us to like sometimes, myself as well, be like, hey, hold on a second here. <laughs> like that is not people's story. <laughs> like they're lying to you. That I think that actually, you know what, don't, re- you know, read my book by all means. If it, I hope you do, <laughs> please. I hope but you do the, too. The, I hope you do. But the first page that I wrote is the one that I really stand by, which is everyone lies or they have amnesia. I think if there's one thing you can learn from this book, that's, that's the one. I don't even mean to be lying, but I think sometimes, you know, we prefer the story that we can tell than the story that actually happens. Yeah. So these are the stories that I wanted to share. 
But the point you just made about the whole we're lying to ourselves, but yet we all sort of do it as a society and, and it's particularly around weddings that everyone has this sort of this path to follow that you you know you're supposed to air quotes be doing it a certain way or you, you shouldn't be doing this or you shouldn't be doing that it's exhausting to think how much time we put into facades sometimes but i do think having also caught it because i didn't understand that and i think then there's the other side which is then you catch it and you realize you might want it which is mm. quite horrifying for people like me um, <laughs> You know, it was quite a horrifying, exciting uh, experience in my life, you know. Well, I want to know, Natalie, what, tell me about catching it because there might be some people who don't, who are listening that go, I don't know what you mean by catching the wedding virus. What were the first symptoms for you? I don't know about the symptoms, but it's sort of, it's not that I didn't think I was going to get married. I mean, I just was in a relationship for like a long time. We were living together. I mean, objectively long time. Who knows? I don't even remember. But, and then suddenly it was important to me. And suddenly I wanted him, no, I'm <laughs> super sweet and nice, um, to propose. And this was suddenly important to me. And it really wasn't about, I mean, me, my personal experience, I was trying to understand. And I think one of my friends explained it to me best, which was, you, you, you're getting it double because you don't even, you didn't even want it. You don't identify, you've been like, you know, sort of hating this idea, don't get it. And then suddenly you have it. So I had like this sort of like half a year or a year where I had to like really, Try, or for myself, try and understand what this thing was that I wanted. At the same time as being with someone who, who didn't really think that like there was any difference between what we had and, and what would be being married or not, to, to be fair, he's correct, but that would be true for our relationship and not necessarily true for other people. I know lots of people tell me everything changed mm. uh, when they got married. That, that did not happen to, to us um, for the good. Um, but, yeah, so I just I had suddenly all these feelings, and it's really awful. Like, but it did make me really compassionate. Well, because I think it's like you want something and someone's not giving, like you can't make someone change, which I think I, when I wrote the wedding virus chapter or something, the one I wrote, right, there's a sentence that actually someone had said to me, which is most guys don't want to change. You know? No, I think you're like, forced, darling. Like someone actually said that to me. That's like, that, that's true dialogue. It's not a true story, but the dialogue is, is real. And I was like, what? Where, what? How? Like, what, what did I miss? Like, have I just missed? And then I would ask people and they would tell me, like, yeah, where have you been living? Like, how did you get to, like, almost 30 and you've never, like, you've never heard people? I was like, I just do not know any of this. So it's kind of like I was living my little happy utopian, like, chick lit, you know, chick fantasy bubble. Um, <laughs> but then on the other hand, also totally not understanding what people wanted from me when I should be a bridesmaid and be all about someone, you know, crazy day and they have a right to be a bride. bride. I, I just couldn't understand either of them and then I could and then I was like oh this is like wow I'm like and and it made me less judgmental because I think before I mean I still don't totally I have to admit like it was very hard for me to write the bridesmaids chapter I still totally don't don't totally get it but but it's okay like that's cool that's just you know because I'm probably like to control who I am and what I look like that's you know that's a personality Ooh. problem you know like not a good you know that's not a good bridesmaid that's not uh, true i i disagree natalie because i think we should be talking more about that because i don't think many of us are programmed to be what you, men, 10 women should look the same in the same dress with our identical bodies which are all tall and willowy and have no boobs <laughs> <laughs> and fit perfectly into dresses of uh fuchsia and hot pink 
The Wedding Virus now is available on uh, Amazon.com and wherever you uh, want to find it. Well, I would say actually TheWeddingVirus.com is where you want to find it. There will be more from this wonderful author after this very short but important break. Natalie Shell, tell me a little bit more about your engagement, when it happened and how it happened. I will protect some of the story for us. Um, you know, I should I should act like all prim and proper, like Kate and uh, and, and Prince William. Very, it was very romantic. That's what they said, like, over and over. They really <laughs> did. It was like they were programmed. <laughs> I watched the whole thing. I guess they really didn't want to talk about it. Um, I don't think it was as bad as one of the chapters I wrote where someone proposed on the toilet, which 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 I have heard happen, but not to any of my friends. It was probably between there and there. And Noam remembered, which is fascinating because whenever I'd had that conversation, it had nothing to do with me wanting to get engaged, that I had said, what is wrong with people? Like, can they not think of something better than birthdays, Valentine's Day or special occasions to like propose like just choose a day any day don't like don't hijack some other day so he actually waited to the day after my birthday (laughs) at midnight like at midnight after my birthday to propose super sweet (laughs) and he had a ring which was super surprising and super ballsy on his part um i think given given the personality that i have um although to be to be fair he could have given me a little rock from the beach and i would have said yes Um, oh good um, because what I came to in the wedding virus thing, which I, you know, that is like in the movies in the sense that I'd finally like let it go. Like I'd come to understand that we were in a relationship and he was the first person I'd ever been in a relationship with that I actually ever even thought that I wanted to get married. And why was I trying to, you know, why was, um, I wasn't going to give an ultimatum because that made no sense to break up with the person I actually wanted to be with. Mm. Um, so that's kind of where I'd gotten to like already a few months before, um, which is not to say I was not happy. <laughs> um, so that's the proposal story. It was really simple and and and, and really sweet. And then when, um, did, when did the wedding? When did you actually then go? All right, I'm I am in deep now with this wedding planning stuff. When did you feel like you went? Oof, this is full. Well, on. I so I did it. There's one thing that I can say that I hope to continue to learn this lesson, but I don't always. I wish that I could treat most of my life the way I treated wedding planning. Um, and also my first pregnancy, um, I was really, really busy at work, like super busy. We, we also said, please don't ask us. Like, oh, that is anyone listening who's getting engaged, about to get engaged, knows they're getting engaged, is engaged now. The answer is, we're just really happy to be engaged right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for asking. We'll let you know as soon as we know. But we're just, we're just really happy to get engaged because engagement turns out to be bullshit. It's just synonymous with when you're getting married. When are you getting married? How many people are you getting? How many? When? Where? Where? How? What sort of food are you going to have there? What's happening? When? What time is the ceremony? Can't do that. Will I be invited? (laughs) How many times are we going to ask these questions? Fucking kill me. (laughs) We're just really excited and happy to be engaged. I didn't catch Bridezilla, but I think there was also like a bit of a conscious choice there that I was working at a startup at the time when we were in the middle of like a serious launch of like you know working till eleven o'clock at night. Um, so in some ways, the best thing that happened to me with that is we decided on a few things um, that were important to us. But I, I'm pretty sure no one would say that I planned the wedding. Um, but we also wanted that. This was a we. We also wanted a, we wanted a party and we wanted it to have good food. So we actually chose a restaurant. It's beautiful. So it's not that it wasn't a big, you know, it wasn't a small wedding by any means. You know, and, and we didn't really, like we asked our parents what was important to them, but we didn't really involve them that much. 
again, that might be my personal control issue. But uh, I think if you can, it's hard. But if you can retain some type of sense of what's important to you, that, that can be helpful. But I also know people who don't care, you know. <laughs> I think they're very happy there. I think there's one woman in the book, you know, it's me and my mother's wedding, not her and her. <laughs> my mother and I are getting married. My mother and I are getting married and it's going to be beautiful and wonderful and you will come. I want to talk uh, to you about a chapter that you that really – got me thinking and it is titled things people don't talk about and it's, <laughs> it's one of those chapters that I started to read again this is my sort of morning commute I hadn't had a coffee I was like all right block out the crazies and I started to read this and I wanted to share a bit of it with the audience here things people don't tell you about or forget to mention in no specific hierarchy uh, the first one is not to use fabric softener on towels and I'm like oh girlfriend <laughs> I learned that la I learned that very late in life. It's so true. I was so late in that. Some of the important things. But then you followed up with abortion and I love that. You go, Yeah, we don't. And if we do talk about it, people get very angry. Let's just have a discussion. Female facial hair. And this made me giggle because I've just come from a threading appointment where I got my eyebrows and moustache done. <laughs> but that's true. In the Middle East, people will tell you that maybe you should uh, go visit your threading slash waxing person at some point. You've got to attend to your facial hair and I'm not afraid to talk about it. Another one is how much they actually earn. And this is another thing. You see, in the first four points, you've hit really, besides, I mean, I would say feminism and uh, fabric softener on towels is also very important. <laughs> But you've hit some really big points in a very like f- illegal to mention points. Yeah, basically. but you know it's, that was that was one of those. Uh, you know, I like to write lists. I do like to write lists. Well, that's I think that reading these sort of things in a list form actually think it took some of the heat off some of the topics. Not to say I, I'm afraid of listening and talking about all these things, but it's sort of nice to see you go. All right, here's some things that we don't talk about. Let's just you're making you're making reminding me of things I ha- things I haven't done. I should write a list called things I have not done yet. Maybe <laughs> that would be really good for my career. Uh, publishing this list online, not in my book, but just as a separate published document that people can read. I'm going to continue reading here. Uh, I love this. How much sex they're really having. I mean, that's the one that no one ever talks about. Everyone just assumes everyone's having sex every night tons in their dreams. Tons of sex. They're having tons of sex. Or none. Or none. It's kind of the only, that's the only two types of sex you hear about. Oh, we should so talk about that more. Uh, <laughs> the next one, I love this, that they're actually judgmental assholes. <laughs> My hand's up. I think all of our hands should be up in some way. If you're not, well, we need to talk. How much Law and Order they really watch? That was inspired by one of my friend's mums who was saying, uh, you know, that she was like, you know, people say they're having this great life. They're just watching double. Their highlight is watching a double episode of Law and Order. You know, I read a, some very funny. There was a, some uh, a Huff Post uh, article today highlighting some of the best tweets about married life. And I sent them to Rich because I thought some of them were completely delightful. Uh, 87% of married sex starts with someone pausing house hunters. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) And my other favorite last one was marriage is essentially two people taking turns pushing down the top of the kitchen garbage so they don't have to to be the ones (laughs) to take it out. I I actually made this observation after I'd published that this was not calculated, but I really did not touch on marriage in my book. I stopped at the wedding, like the end of the wedding. There's one sentence about marriage and then I stopped. And I'm really glad because I don't think I want to write a book about marriage. I'm actually skipping straight to babies, which is a bit about marriage, but not really. Yeah, (laughs) you've got to put a bit of marriage. 
Yeah, but it's a bit depressing. The themes are less exciting. Not not my personal one or your personal one, but <laughs> it's not like it's not that funny. Well, look, I think there's lots of. I mean, I think when you read those sort of tweets and stuff, I, when I sent them to the Rich, list is funny. The, the list is funny. <laughs> the list is funny. But it is, you know, marriages. I think this is one thing we talk all about weddings all the time. And I really make an effort on this podcast to talk, you know, a lot. I've had Dr. Lindsay Beerer on a few times and she's a psychologist. She's fantastic. And she talks a lot about relationships. And I think we just spend a lot of time talking about the aesthetics of a day and not really about going, you will wake up the next day and you'll be married. And then there's the rest of your life. Well, so that, and that, that I think is where Noam was coming from. He was kind of like, hey, we're in it already. <laughs> like, this is, I'm not going yeah. anywhere. We're in it. Yeah, um, this, is, this is what we're doing. You, there's two things that you asked about, like the wedding virus and that, but what I didn't talk about the resolution, I think one of the resolutions that came for me was I understood that it was really, I'm quoting someone else, but it was that I need, I did need, which was a surprise to a feminist me, the uh, gesture of being asked was mm. actually important to me. Mm, and I did, too. and it was actually important to me to have something witnessed by family and friends. Um, and that's all it came down to. The rest was, you know, like, well, that's me. And I think that was, that was what, I don't know if it was worth the pain of the virus. <laughs> but, but I, I mean, that, that was important to me. And I, and I think it's okay to own that. You know, there's parts of a wedding that maybe are really important to you. Um, but, but yeah, there's the rest of your life and the person you're living <laughs> I hope is more important. You know, that get easily blindsided when we're in this zone of having to be, you know, create this perfect staged day I guess yeah. if you and I and I think that was good about me having so much stress from work that and I am a person who really you know can be quite controlled and I'm really glad that I had stress at work because what ended up happening was if something was too difficult I just said oh so it's not like it's not important like <laughs> it's clearly not important because I don't have time for this and I wish like I hope that I can really take that lesson fully into my life because it, it was a really healthy state well, I think that's a good message. Any bride chillers out there freaking out a little bit, just start a business and then you'll realize you have no time to plan. A- <laughs> yeah, I'll get someone to employ you on some project. You do have time, but the st- then it, like, you know, it comes back down to like what are the bits that are really important and I'm going to do those and then the rest I'm just going to let go because they're not really important. Wise. Very wise. And also, uh, you know, I think there is so much in this book as well as like just feeling like you're getting a warm hug from a friend and also a bit of a poke in the guts from a friend where you're going, oh, all right. Fine. Okay. Good. I'm glad we. You want to wear pink and make us wear pink? Yeah. Sure. I really enjoyed it, Natalie, and I've had such a lovely time talking with you today and learning. Thank you for having me on. Oh my! It's my my pleasure. Theweddingvirus.com is where you're going to find all the information. I will obviously send uh, lots of links your way via the show notes and social media today. You deserve all the success. And what's the next book going to be called? I love it. The baby epidemic. <laughs> it's rife, people. And and that, I guess, if I'm allowed to leave on a line, like, that's the same with weddings. It, it could be you, but it could also just be, like, society right now because there is a lot about weddings and, and, and babies right now, like, more, more than there was. I think there was even, like, a good article about it recently about sort of the difference that the media covers. Yeah. It's an interesting time for us uh, non-1950s women discovering that we want some things that are, like, 1950s women. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I well, and excellent. That's okay. 
excellent point. I think it's not bad to say, you know, as you you summed it up perfectly, and I feel really connected to your story in the sense that I'm a feminist. I denied this idea of feeling like I needed to have someone come along and sort of say, I want to marry you. And I was, I was always a bit of a toughie. But then when it happened, I'm like, I just wanted to feel like I'm part of something and being a part of this, like, team that we are. And that's the way we are, you know, society is... like everyone else. Exactly. I want to be... So hard to accept. I want to be your boo, boo. So... Thank you Lisa, so much. I think I'm in love with you. It's a good thing oh, we're both married. Sure. <laughs> it's been a very nice. Uh, I have a girl crush now. People, um, go buy Alicia's book. Well, and I'm try- I am in the same zone as you. I'm trying to write the second book, and I keep talking about the second book. It's like when the fuck am I going to finish this book? But I promise it's coming eventually. It will happen in good time, my people. Theweddingvirus.com. Visit it, buy it, enjoy it. Until we speak again, my lovely Natalie Shell. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. And happy days.